welcome to episode 92 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with our trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on your podcast player of choice or by going to psychomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This show is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Summit Behavioral Healthcare's Tactical Recovery Program a specialized treatment program that meets the behavioral health needs of service members, veterans, and first responders. Joining me to talk about tactical recovery is Katie Ross, the Director of Veteran Services at Summit BHC and creator of the Tactical Recovery Program. Katie has worked in program management for the U.S. Navy as a clinical social worker at the Hampton Roads VA Medical Center and is a multi-generational family member of service members. Also joining us is Katie Civiletto-Stinger, the Operations Director for the Tactical Recovery Program. Katie Stenger is a proud Army spouse and lives in Southern Oregon with her family and has spent the last decade working in the veteran and military mental health space. Along with me, by the way, as she and I worked with key community partners to establish the Suicide Prevention Collaborative of El Paso County, Colorado. You can find out more about both Katie's by checking out their bios in our show notes. So let's get into my conversation with them and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Both of you are passionate about supporting the military-affiliated population and improving the mental health and wellness of those who served and those who care for them. Before we talk about the Tactical Recovery Program, I'd like to provide an opportunity for each of you to share why this work is so important to you. And we'll start off with Katie Ross. Well, I think it has always been a part of my life. I was raised as a military kid. My dad served 24 years in the Navy, and we got to move all over. Different family members coped with that and struggled with it in different ways, but it also really built me into the person that I became. And so I was always also very aware of the strengths that come from living this military life and was proud of it and appreciated it. And then I stuck with what I knew and I married active duty. And we have three children who have gone through multiple deployments, PCS moves, and my husband retired about two years ago. So, you know, we're still um, in that transition phase of having a career in the military and living with and supporting a veteran who struggles with invisible wounds. And so I wanted to not only support my family, our kids, myself, my parents, and my husband with all of those stages and adjustments, but wanted to find a way to serve my community, you know, our military tribe, and develop supports, resources that were going to promote those strengths, highlight those strengths, and help them get to a place in life where they can continue to be proud of their service and feel supported by the broader community in our country. And I think the 
It takes a village, you know, the old adage. And so collaboration with other organizations is essential to that. It's got to be holistic and no one group can be all things to all people. And so coming together as a community was really important for me. And I felt like I came from a unique perspective on tying those things together. So both, both personal and as a mental health professional. No, I absolutely recognize it takes a village, but it also takes people that know the unique nature of the village of the military. So I think that definitely brings a valuable perspective to the conversation, like you said. And Katie Stanger, you and I have known each other for a number of years, I think six or seven, I believe at this point, but great to be able to share your story with the audience. Thanks, Dwayne. Yeah, we've definitely sat around the same table quite a few times and got to see a lot of the work and and why we have that similar mission. So I appreciate it. I tripped and fell into working with the military and veteran population. So up until I started working in this population, I really didn't realize the background and the history in my family. My grandparents didn't talk about their time in service. They never really even mentioned that they were part of the military in any way, shape or form. But now we have a shadow box in my living room with my grandpa's service from the Korean War. We saw his photo book. And so it was there. It was just hidden in that old mentality of not talking about it, not wanting to share any of the pieces with their young youth or whatever it was that was keeping it inside. And gosh, like 2010, I was getting ready to go up for my master's program and my brother's best friend came back and he was had multiple deployments and he was really struggling. And I just noticed that there was something different. And so that kind of speaks a lot to the former work that I did with the chain instruction and five science and give an hour, just really understanding how do you recognize when somebody really is struggling and how do you provide them the help and support that they need? And so much came from that story, the further that I got along in my career. So I, it's interesting to see all the different pieces that come together when I look at why I'm here and why I'm part of that. I made it my mission to really drive my career in military mental health and veterans mental health and looking at how I could do that. It was a struggle sometimes to try to figure out how to marry my passion and my knowledge set together. But I feel like at this point, I've been doing pretty well at it and I continue to wake up every morning and love what I do. So that story really kind of motivated me to understand what was unique about this population and how as somebody sitting in a room trying to find resources for a veteran getting ready to go for Ivy League school and I couldn't find it anywhere on the internet. So that was back before we talked about reintegration, back before we talked about really the invisible ones of war, what those look like, really limited information, at least public facing from basic search terms without having those keywords for SEO at that time, really didn't understand, you know, PTSD, TBI, and all of those things play into that story, including the current role that I'm in now, where there was a lot of self-medication, a lot of substance use, trying to numb that feeling and fight the demons that they had. I live now in Southern Oregon. We took away from the Colorado area two years ago. My husband PCSed out here. He's temporarily recruiting and we are a proud Army family. So we have a new little baby. His name is Kaysen and he's three months old. And then we have, I have four bonus kids, 16, 14, 12, and eight that all know the military family style well. They had several PCSs before he moved to Colorado and we met. And then now we transition into that. So 
Katie and I worked together in our former lives at Given Hour, and we recrossed paths again after she started at Summit and kept in touch the whole time. But I'm really excited to build off this program and understand how do we meet the unique needs of this population? How do we identify where we may not be already serving that population at that level and continuing to build and grow the program? That's the exciting part. Seeing when I came on staff, I think there was eight facilities and now there's 20. So just growing and learning and adapting all all together. I think that's great. And both of you coming at this situation from different paths and very dissimilar paths, but also converging being directly associated with the military family. So we're here today to talk about the Tactical Recovery Program. It's a unique method delivering quality mental health and substance abuse care specifically for service members, veterans, first responders, and their families. So Katie Ross, it'd be interesting for you to start off with, why do you think it was important for Summit Behavioral Health to develop? the tactical recovery program. I am a firm believer that if we want to reduce the stigma, we know these challenges are out here. We're seeing the tragedies day after day. And if we want to really reduce the stigma and prevent the tragedies, we have to have earlier intervention. And so we're spending this time trying to encourage people to get help, higher success rates if those interventions are earlier in their struggles. And that means it's critical for the cultural competency to be there in the beginning. Because if somebody finally does reach out for support with mental health and substance use, especially in this community where for a lot of cultural reasons, they're hesitant to do so, they have to feel heard. They have to feel understood. And That goes for even providers who have a connection to the military community or even serve themselves, and certainly for civilian providers who may not have the more organic understanding of the military community culture. And so that's where it started for me and for us as an organization. We had a couple of programs in different states that did really, really well with this community. And fortunately, the leadership took a moment and looked at that and said, you know, why is it working so well in certain places and other locations seem to be struggling? And they said it's a cultural understanding, both with between the providers individually and their clients and that therapeutic alliance and the rapport that they're able to build and have the trust from the beginning. And also as systems interacting with each other, like I briefly mentioned before, it's what much beyond the immediate program that the service member or veteran is currently receiving. It is all of their needs from a holistic perspective. I can't work on my PTSD or my depression or my alcoholism if I'm worried about my housing stability or if I'm worried about my job and how I'm going to pay the bills and keep my family fed. And so we look at those things all at the same time and bring in resources to address all of the the biopsychosocial, spiritual, cultural aspects of the individual who is often not just an individual, right? Most of us function in family systems. So making sure that we're not just addressing one of those pieces at a time and then, okay, after this, then you can deal with the rest of it. But making sure that there's a lot of what we commonly refer to as case management and making sure that we're setting up the individual for long-term recovery, not just 30 or 60 days to get them stable, but what is going to promote their long-term continued 
sobriety, mental health, and overall well-being so that we don't see them returning to this dark place that they're currently in. As a clinician myself, I absolutely recognize the importance of reducing the stigma. It, Katie, we have really seen a lot of veterans, and here we're specifically talking about service members, veterans may not reach out until it becomes a crisis. And we get one bite at the apple. We get one shot with someone as in the mental health field because they're already coming in with that stigma, with that lack of trust in it. And if their first experience with reaching out for mental health isn't a good one, they may not reach out for another 10 or 15 years, if at all. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the reasons that I have had such a big focus on the mental health arena, because I think for so many and what I've experienced in all of my work is that everything is almost like a snowflake. Everybody's coming in with their unique needs and being able to adapt and be part of their story of being able to understand and give them a truly like a judge-free platform that they can come forward and talk about whatever it is that's on their heart at that moment, I think really helps to eliminate those barriers and address the stigma. And that's one of the things that we've seen consistently in the work that we've done in Colorado together and the work that Katie and I have done in the past and in the backdrop of my career is looking at how do you improve that experience? How do you have an end-to-end user experience for those individuals that is culturally competent, that is supportive of what they need in that moment? And how do you connect them to the resources that they may need? Because not every veteran that picks up the phone and calls us ends up in, in our doors, right? But we can still guide them in the process. We can still provide all of the avenues that they need to find the support that they really are looking for. And there's no wrong door to come in our organization. And everybody that we have on our tactical recovery team makes that part of their mission, looking at how do we connect them to the right nonprofit? How do we connect them to the right services? Can we help them get connected to the VA if they're not part of the VA already? And we have almost 3,000 partners throughout the United States that we worked with in some capacity. So being able to understand their criteria, knowing who to pair them with, being able to pick up the phone and call and say, hey, we have this veteran who may have a dishonorable discharge or may have this unique scenario. Is this a good referral for you? As opposed to just sending them to a website and saying, you might find help on this huge data source, or if you Google it, you might find this. Making those intentional connections for them And then when they do come through our doors, making even stronger intentional connections because we have them in front of us, right? So we're able to really develop those relationships with our nonprofit partners, with other agencies that can serve those gaps that they have in their life, whether that's financial or housing or you name it, right? You never know what you're going to expect when the story starts to open. There's always a lot of other pieces that come up. And so being able to adapt and get those together onto one page, I think is important and helps too provide the services that they need. Yeah, I love the analogy you used that they each have their own story. And I think a really helpful way to frame it is that this is just one chapter of their story. There were chapters prior to when they engaged with mental health and addiction support. And the great news is this isn't the last chapter. There are more chapters to come. So one of the things that we talk a lot about in our tactical recovery programs across Summit Behavioral Health Care's locations is making recovery their next mission, which is also really in line with that military culture that they're coming from, especially as the individual is transitioning, they're no longer active duty, 
and and they're a little bit lost in that transition, they need that sense of purpose and the next focus to be working toward something that is a worthy goal and that they're the lead character of their own story. They're not just an actor in it. This is theirs and they have positive chapters ahead of them. So making this recovery their next mission and as everyone in the recovery field knows, especially those with addiction, is that doesn't end. That is something that they're going to be thinking of and working towards and supporting for the rest of their lives and looking at the strengths that come from their military history and the strengths from the broader military community that they have access to that this tribe is still here for them. I think the United States has something like over 40,000 veteran service nonprofits out there. And what's changed dramatically in the past, really since 9-11, is we don't suffer from a lack of resources. There is an abundance of resources out there and individuals like you, Dwayne, and like Psych Arbor in tactical recovery. We are just a couple in this much broader support system out there for these individuals and for their families. And often when you're in the place of crisis, it's very difficult to navigate all of those different options. And so that's part of our mission is to be there for them to help them sort through the noise, identify what their needs are, what their priorities are, what their preferences are, and and setting those up for them with those warm introductions, not just a directory that they have to search themselves or a list on a piece of paper with a bunch of websites and phone numbers, but really hand in hand, walking it with them and in setting them up for that long-term recovery. We have an alumni program and a social app for all of the veterans and service members who have gone through our programs and making sure that they still have this community and sharing new resources and also encouraging them, hey, if you know another brother or sister who served who might be struggling with their mental health or substance use, let them know that we're here for them as well. The military piece, again, of like, you know, you never leave a fellow soldier behind. This is just a different a different war that they're fighting, a different battle that they're fighting. They're battling with addiction or they're battling for their mental health. And so know that you're not alone and you've got this whole community of people here ready to help you. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I've always valued about the work that the Tactical Recovery Program is doing is, one, that judgment-free piece. Katie Stenger, you had mentioned it about, you know, it's judgment-free. Nobody's going to think less of you because you're reaching out for substance use support or, or something like that. But it's holistic. It's not just mental health. It's just not inpatient care. And then it's culturally responsive. It's the people that are working there really understand the military culture. And I think understanding why the program, both from a personal level and from from a systematic level, understanding why it was developed is important, but also I think it would be helpful for folks to hear what they could expect. If somebody affiliated with the military, the first responder community is accessing treatment through the tech recovery program, what does the program look like? What would somebody expect if they were to reach out and perhaps enter into one of the tactical recovery sites? Yeah, so that's a great question. We look really specifically at where they're 
starting, right? Meet the client where they're at, as we say in the mental health field. And so we have a variety of specializations across our tactical recovery location. We'll get to hear more about these with the different guests coming on the theories of this podcast. For example, at our Cottonwood Tucson location, they specialize in individuals struggling with co-occurring traumatic brain injury and really looking at what is neurological, psychological, emotional, and making sure that we're providing treatments, building skill sets that they're actually going to be able to grasp. Especially my husband has 14 mild traumatic brain injuries, went through a fantastic program at Walter Reed for months there at NICO, the National Intrepid Centers of Excellence. And so certain interventions that are evidence-based, proven effective in this population. But if you don't know that the individual's brain injury may be limiting that specific cognitive function, it doesn't matter how great the clinician is, it's not going to be an effective intervention for that person. And so making sure we look at that from the beginning and providing them the supports that are going to work for that person. Another example is we have two locations that specialize in chronic pain management. And if someone has been using substances to cope with their chronic pain, in addition to their mental health conditions, they may not know how can I control my pain without those opioids. I know that the opioids have become an addiction for me, but it's not healthy for the rest of my life. And so incorporating other interventions that can help them, such as physical therapy, using saunas, hot tubs, acupuncture, massage therapy, nutritional interventions, getting them physically active again. So just another example, looking at the whole person. There's individuals that may have tried treatment before multiple times, something we refer to as like a chronic relapse situation. And so, you know, a shorter term program that they've tried maybe even 10 times before, that individual really needs something that can provide them longer term support, maybe getting detoxed again, having a good, robust residential treatment program, and then going through the continuum of a partial hospitalization, an intensive outpatient, having a sober living environment to, to support them for possibly even a year or so. Just doing a more gradual reintroduction back into the community might be what that person needs. So we look at all the different components of it and try to find the right fit for that individual. I think that really speaks to one, Katie Stinger, you were talking about the uniqueness of all of these different situations. Everybody comes in with their own unique experience and their own unique needs, but also the flexibility that the tactical recovery program has to say, we can send you to Tucson or we can send you to another program in a different location, but it's all part of the same network and they can get the same basis of understanding of care when it comes to being familiar with military services. Yeah, absolutely. That's the best part of the National Veteran Service Coordinator role is really listening to what the veterans need, you know, even just a referral that comes in from the VA directly, things like that, learning and understanding where that person's at and helping them to pair with the best facility. Sometimes location is one of the things that there is a driving factor in that decision for the individual, but a lot of times we're trying to make sure that they're optimizing their chances of having long-term recovery by being paired to the right milieu, the right set of clinical interventions, the right team that really is going to get and understand where they're at and be able to help them on their path to recovery as they continue to move forward. 
No, I, I think that, again, just the ability to to have a wide range of services and be able to respond to service members, veterans, first responders, and their families is absolutely beneficial. And as Katie mentioned for listeners, uh, we are going to be doing a series of these shows with other members of the Tactical Recovery Program. And so I appreciate the two of you joining me on the show to kick us off. If folks wanted to find out more, either their veterans or family members and they're listening, or they work with service members and veterans with one of our partner organizations. How can they find out more about the Tactical Recovery Program? Yeah, there's a few different ways. Our website, tacticalrecovery.com, is a great place to start. We also have an 800 number that is answered around the clock, and they can get a live person to ask questions to about the different options, different locations. And folks that are familiar, often veterans or military spouses themselves in most cases, who can help them navigate the process and just see what might be the most appropriate fit for them, given their current stage. A lot of times it's a loved one that calls out friends, family, says, I know somebody who's struggling. And so guiding them on ways to begin that conversation with the individual. Sometimes the, the individual in need of support themselves, maybe still struggling with stigma or is afraid to leave their family behind. And so we can also connect them with veteran interventionists who can assist the family through that. Or if it's the journey to get to a treatment program, we can connect them with veterans, typically they're Navy SEALs, who will escort the individual so that they can feel more comfortable in the environment. I think an easy example is the hypervigilance that we often see accompanying PTSD. Now you ask that person who's been isolating to go into an airport and fly or to drive a, a great distance to get to the program, and they really want to go to the program, but that may be a barrier. So we just try to identify any barriers that person may have and give them the support that they need to overcome those barriers so that they can focus on themselves and on their recovery and um, at the next chapter. No, I think that's absolutely excellent. And I will definitely make sure that both the link to the website and the 1-800 number are in the show notes. Thank you both so much for coming on the show today. Yes, and thank you so much for what you're doing for our community. It's much appreciated. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that is free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. As always, I enjoy having a great conversation, especially with guests that I've met before and collaborated with. When we feature programs like Tactical Recovery on the show, I'm always impressed by the thoughtfulness of how they integrate the need for cultural understanding and responsivity with the need for effective mental health care. Consider those as two different elements. On the one hand, many programs have a deep understanding of military culture and are able to be responsive to the needs of service members, veterans, and their families. Many programs have been featured on this show. Organizations like the Travis Mannion Foundation, the Mission Continues, Team Rubicon, and organizations like the American Legion and the VFW all have a deep and abiding understanding of military culture. They can even serve as an extension of that military culture into post-military life, giving those who served an opportunity to continue to engage with a very meaningful part of their lives. On the other hand, you have effective clinical mental health care. 
meaning trained, professional, licensed, and certified mental health providers who participated in rigorous educational programs that are subject to oversight and review, who maintain their professional certifications and licenses the same way that all medical professionals do. These professionals are trained in treatments that have been proven to improve mental health conditions and reduce distress. Agree with it or not, or believe it or not, but post-traumatic stress disorder is a medical condition. It's also a psychological condition, but that doesn't make it any less medical. Exposure to trauma, especially if it's prolonged or repeated exposure, has been proven to physically alter the brain. Advances in neuroscience have shown us that there are proven treatments that can reduce the symptoms of PTSD, that can reconstitute the regions of the brain that are impacted by trauma, and that lives can be improved after treatment. The same is true for traumatic brain injury, substance abuse and addiction, and mood disorders like depression and anxiety. There are treatments that are effective if provided by competent and trained providers. Now consider someone who is deeply embedded with and connected to military culture, a veteran, who is also experiencing long-term untreated post-traumatic stress disorder. Where do they go? Do they go to the organization that has a strong connection to military culture, but whose mission is not to directly treat the medical condition of PTSD? Or do they go to the individual or organization who is experienced and competent in treating PTSD, but does not have a strong understanding of and responsiveness to military culture? If that individual goes to either organization, they're going to leave unsatisfied. Their medical condition goes untreated by an understanding of military culture, and their need for military culture responsivity goes unmet by the clinical program. And that translates not just in unmet needs, but disrupted families, social determinants of health not being satisfied, like housing and employment, and tragically, potentially, suicide. So that's where programs like tactical recovery can be life-saving. They provide the military culture awareness and responsivity training to clinicians who are very capable in treating these conditions. The other way is possible too, of course, taking someone who is well-versed in military culture and training them as a mental health clinician. This isn't impossible. I'm a living example of that, as is Katie Ross and many of the colleagues she mentioned during our conversation. But that takes a long time to get from veteran to mental health professional. My own journey from a guy with a handful of college credits to being a fully licensed mental health professional took 10 years. And a mentor of mine, the one that started me down this path, said that there are not enough veterans in the mental health field. That was true in December of 2007, and it's true now, and it'll likely always be true. But it can be much more efficient and effective to find trained clinicians and teach them military culture. Heck, drill sergeants taught it to me in nine weeks. Sort of joking here, but not really. We're not putting psychologists and therapists through boot camp, but they're excellent lifelong learners who care deeply about their clients. And that's where the combination of the two, like the tactical recovery program, can really benefit those that need help. The other thing that I'd like to point out is the responsiveness of a program like tactical recovery. One size does not fit all when it comes to mental health. There's a great quote from Leo Tolstoy about unhappy families. All happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. That concept can be applied to veterans experiencing mental health conditions. So many different things can be added to an individual's life that makes us truly individuals. Two service members can be side by side during the same traumatic event and it can impact them both in completely different ways. Everything that happened before that event, their childhoods, their relationships, their training, and everything that happens after that event, their response to it, the support they receive, how people they trust and care for react to them, can make a difference in whether or not they develop PTSD or depression or moral injury or a lack of purpose and meaning or addictions. Even to what they tell themselves about their event, about their role in it, about whether or not they feel like they had agency or autonomy, or whether they assume blame, right or wrong. 
Add to that whether or not there are physical injuries, which can result in chronic pain if it was an injury to the body, or traumatic brain injury if it was an injury to the head, or whether or not there's a genetic predisposition to addiction, or heart disease, or Alzheimer's. The factors that make up our us-ness are so multilayered and complex that our responses to trauma are multilayered and complex. That's why it's important that networks like the Tactical Recovery Program exist. There is a program for any one situation. It takes a complex network to address complex conditions. For so long, it was, if you're a combat vet, it had to be PTSD. But what if addiction is a factor? What if the PTSD was not connected to their combat service, but a result of sexual assault or natural disaster? I knew a veteran who had served in Bosnia, Iraq, and Afghanistan and saw the worst of what humans could do to each other. But their most traumatic experience? Responding to Hurricane Katrina. That was a source of much of their distress. So it's great to hear of an organization that understands that and puts programs in place to address them so that whatever the need is, a solution is provided. As was mentioned in the conversation, we're going to be having more episodes featuring different programs in the Tactical Recovery Program Network that will highlight the need for a versatile and responsive treatment network. So I hope you found our conversation about the Tactical Recovery Program beneficial. If you enjoyed it, let us know. Pop a review in your podcast player of choice or send us an email at info at psycharmor.org. We always appreciate knowing that you're listening, what you think, and what you would like to hear about in future episodes. For this week's Psych Armor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the link to the Psych Armor Veteran Ready Program. Summit Behavioral Healthcare has partnered with Psych Armor to ensure their clinicians are veteran ready, and many other organizations have done so as well. Join the nearly 200 organizations nationwide that leverage the Psych Armor educational platform to ensure staff and volunteers are better prepared to interact with and support military and veteran communities. Psych Armor certificate programs help improve efficiency, reduce costs, and increase revenue for our partners. Psych Armor offers four industry-specific curriculum tracks with the option to customize the curriculum to fit your needs. Industry-specific learning pathways include healthcare, higher education, nonprofits, and employers. You can find a link to the resource in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at the podcast app, as well as on psycharmor.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with Psychummer on social media and let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. Much appreciation to the team at Psychummer that makes this show happen. Carol Turner, Vice President of Strategic Communications, who keeps me on track and is an outstanding guest coordinator, and Emma Atherall, who provides valuable coordination and support. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by Psych Armor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.